welcome to Law of the Land. On today's episode, we are going to talk about, among other things, the Bradford Heads. <laughs> <laughs> These are Stacia's worst. I like, I love them, yet I fear them. <laughs> I think that would be what I would say. They have entered my dreams. <laughs> I need this podcast to be done. I need us to draw a line under there this. There has okay? been a lot of research for this episode because... yeah. It turns out stone heads are a, a ridiculously thing. huge topic. They we have are. so many theories that they we're are. probably not going to be able to cover everything. No, I'm glad of that because this needs to be finished. <laughs> so the Bradford heads, I first read about these in um, Folklore, Myths and Legends of Britain. One of the Bibles. The legendary book by the Reader's Digest, which was published in 1973. Their little write-up goes as follows... The hundreds of stone heads which have come to light in recent years in the West Riding have presented archaeologists with a fascinating problem. Do they date from the pre-Roman Celtic period or were some of, the car- some of them carved only a century ago, indicating the survival of ancient Celtic beliefs in the modern world? The Celts who lived in the area 2,300 years ago when it was part of the kingdom of Brigantia, revered the human head as a fertility symbol and charm against evil. The severed heads of enemies or or their replicas in stone were set as guardians at the entrance of cattle buyers buyers and houses. Large numbers of these Celtic masks have been dug from the ground in Scotland, Ireland and on the continent, but in the Bradford area, where many of them were placed in dry stone walls of fields and above cottage doors, they may still be serving their original purpose. It is thought that some of the heads are no more than 100 years old. If this is so, then an Iron Age cult may have survived in some form into the reign of Queen Victoria. Mm. And accompanying that little piece are some illustrations of the heads that have been found. There's, like, Stacia's, like, pulling a funny face, but I think they're really cute. Well, they are really cute. There's one in particular... Which is kind of, this isn't going to help for a podcast, but he's kind of going, <laughs> and he's got his little pointy tooth sticking they out. They are very sweet. It's just the thought of, of, of happening upon one uh, and then what it can do. And that's what, I, that's what I don't like. Did you look at Sidney Jackson's um, stuff on the Bradford Heads? Well, I read a lot about Sidney Jackson. So in the world of Stone Heads, there seems to be like four main players and one of them is Sidney Jackson who was written about by one of the other yes it's all (laughs) a small family of Stonehead fans and now (laughs) us joining their midst he 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 took on the task of surveying and recording the Stoneheads family in Yorkshire didn't he I think it's safe to say he was obsessed with them he was obsessed with them yeah he was from the (laughs) late 50s until his death in 1977 he was the curator at Cartwright Hall Museum and the editor of the Bradford Archaeological Group Bulletin, he became fascinated with these crudely carved heads that were being found in West Yorkshire. Um, he had read Anne Ross's book, Pagan Celtic Britain. Anne Ross is another of the Stonehead fans, much on her later, in which she described the cult of the severed head. And Jackson felt he'd kind of stumbled on this massively rich vein of, of Celtic history. 
and uh, he travelled all over the north. He photographed them, he collected them, he was in newspapers, and he was on Blue Peter. I know, I haven't been able to find, like, I actually kind of want to know what he was like. I put behind that, beside that in my notes, it says, lol. Because <laughs> Blue Peter was so boring, wasn't it? I always liked Blue oh my Peter. God, my really? Aunt, yeah, we used to have, like, go to no. um, an after-school babysitter, and I always wanted to watch Blue Peter, and everybody got really annoyed with me. You see, I thought Blue Peter was the dull bit between, kind of, Grange Hill and Neighbours. Oh, see, I liked Blue Peter because you got it would show you how to make things. Yeah, but they were rubbish. Mm. You don't want to make a Thunderbirds. I wouldn't. Lair. I liked making things out of toilet rolls. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, that was the best bit. It was actually the history bits that were really boring, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? So to be fair, this I could imagine this guy being quite dry, yeah. and I wouldn't imagine he would have told the horrifying tales. <laughs> no. Of the you seven have to say this. Why would Blue Peter have? have Sydney Jackson on to talk about Stoneheads. Yeah. They were desperate, weren't yeah. they? That was content. Yeah, they him. wouldn't have said he wouldn't have said, Oh yes, people used to sever the heads of their yeah. em- enemies and post them, them on, on spike. spikes outside their front door. Well maybe he did, it was different times. Mm. Different times. Children You would have watched it then though. Children you? were harder then, weren't they? They had to get used to it. So he thought that um the heads were Celtic or he but then he had his his research had started to show that they might not be. Mm. So he started out thinking that they were really, really old. Yeah. And the evidence kind of grew that not all of them were. Yeah. So some of them were 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 more modern. And they were they were I mean there were hundreds of them, aren't there? Yeah. I mean he documented somewhere between six hundred and fifty and a thousand mm. rec- like he had records of them. He had pictures of a huge number of them. Yeah. And it's it's just really fascinating that they're in this really specific area as well. Yeah. What did you find out about the actual head cult that they're um, to be part of? So what the Celtic head yeah. cult? So it was it was basically there's there's a lot of controversy about it whether yeah. or not it was actually a thing. Well, isn't that's there? it. I I wrote down that there seems to be a lot of debate as to the validity validity validity. validity. I was trying to say, again always trying to sound intelligent and then I mess it up. Whether or not that's true. Um, and that the, the to my understanding. The questioning kind of comes from the fact that the veneration of the head is so widespread across so many different cultures. It's kind of too vague to pin it down to being a, a, a yeah. Celtic kind of belief. I think everybody reveres the head, really, mm. as it is so important, isn't it? Yeah. That we can manage without an arm, a leg. Yeah. We can manage without almost anything, a kidney, maybe not your heart. But other than your heart, yeah. you, you know, your, your head, head is, is pretty, pretty vital. vital, isn't it? And the Celts believed the head was the seat of the soul and the channel for communication with the world of the spirits. And that was why they were used as a protection against evil in many contexts. But, of course, as you've said, that was not just a Celtic idea. That That was was a pretty much... Everyone. Everyone's idea. Um, But it does endure as something that is associated with the Celts. And Dr. Anne Ross, as who we've mentioned before, she was the poster girl for the cult of the Celtic head. Mm. She bought into the cult of the Celtic head. So it's easier to write down than say, isn't it? Yeah. Um, more than anybody, almost. She wrote an entire chapter in her book, Pagan Celtic Britain, and referred to folklore that, that was associated with sacred wells and with these heads. So, yeah, it's, it's a... It's by, it's certainly not uh, not accepted by many people as being a thing, mm. 
but some people think that it's particularly um, in this area where the Celts were and Dr Ross says the evidence for the cut of the head is furnished by the iconography and testified by the comments of classical writers and is fully supported by the literature of the British Isles. So there you go. Mm. She was absolutely convinced, but yeah. then we'll find out later to how much she yeah. is convinced. But one of the things I find interesting about the heads, like I kind of mentioned just a minute ago, that, that it's such a specific area, and they're used in a magical protective way of that <laughs> word that we can't say, which I've actually written down about three times and spelt it differently Atropo. every single time. Apo. I think I nearly had it then. Apopatraic. So they so they're used like in that kind of like you know the a talisman yeah in, in doorways and thresholds yeah. to protect the people within those yeah. kind of areas. You just you do, like in Norfolk we don't have them, and, and other Unless things are used. In, yeah, other things are used. So yeah. I suppose we've got the hagstones, we've got the green man, we've got um, the woodwows, we've got other things, but not used in carvings as much no. in houses. Yeah, you'll see those in churches. You'll see those um, in religious settings, but you don't really no. see anything apart from the atra. Those and anti witchcraft marks on houses yeah. and daisy wheels. And it's just it's interesting. It's like the same. It's the same outcome. It's for the same reasons. Purpose, yeah. And it's just I don't quite. It's, I don't quite understand how other areas haven't picked up on the head mm. stuff because it's obviously such a big thing for such a a, a massive period of time. Mm just for that kind of northern area there was another chap is he one of your four john john billingsley yes. yeah yeah so he did a piece in 1999 for the telegraph and argyle newspaper where he talked a lot about sydney jackson mm. and, and you know his kind of thoughts on things and he he said in 1978 he started noticing and he puts as he puts it the curiously unrealistic heads that often appear in fields, above doorways, in gables and beside windows of 17th century houses in our region. They were so stark and curious that I started asking householders about them. Most people could only tell me they were to keep away bad luck and a few suggested that they commemorated workers killed in building accidents. It seemed to me that if so, West Yorkshire must have been particularly accident prone. Um, He then found out about Sidney Jackson's work and investigated more and he was the he was he was one of the people who thought these were not yeah Celtic. I think when they he looked at yeah. Sydney's research he kind of came to that conclusion I don't know how aware Sidney Jackson was of people's thoughts about it because he died in the 70s did you yeah. say yeah mm. so, so I think most of Billingsley's work was later but mm. he to be fair though I mean He's still saying these are seventeenth century, yeah. so in the that's still old. That's still super old, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. as you taught me many years ago, seventeenth century means in the sixteen hundreds, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it's one of my best facts I've ever learned. I used to really struggle with that, but yeah. So seventeenth century, hundreds started to appear on buildings, pottery, and furniture, and I guess it's around the same time that um, Bellamines were, mm. you know, popular, wasn't yeah. it? And that was the head, the face. Yeah. And it was all to do with like that kind of representing the person within the house to distract 
yeah. the evil spirits or witchcraft yeah. from getting them. They would go to the bottle in the same way maybe they're thinking they would go to the face. And Benamines used to be kept outside people's houses for the yeah. same reason, didn't they? Yeah. So this is a more permanent way yeah. to have... And a more visible way because a Bellamine you would bury and hide. Yeah. Whereas these are on just... Which makes phone. more sense, really. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I easier like... for the the bad spirits to find a, a face yeah. Yeah. on the wall. And also, than... it's also kind of you know whenever you think of a head, I think we spoke about it with the skulls. It is literally watching, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a uh, you can see why it's used as protection yeah. because it's something watching over your property, yeah. isn't it? On yeah. your at your windows, at your barn, at your door, yeah. making sure it's a very obvious sign, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and and people say there's like criminals or whatever, they can actually see, Yeah. oh, that house is protected by something. And I do think that if you, it's partly kind of a suggestion, isn't it? If you think that the people who own that house mm. have some form of power or are able to mm. harness some form of power, you would think twice, wouldn't you, yeah. about yeah. going over the threshold without being asked? Definitely. I think. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, one of the things that interests me about this is I'm wondering if the perception of the heads has, I don't know if this is the right way to term it, has like changed over time. So when they were made, they were made as like good luck symbols, like protection. Yeah. But as kind of society has changed and we view them now, they're viewed in a more negative because they are kind of grotesque and creepy looking. But I, but cute, I know but... people who simply think that a church is creepy. Yeah. You know, well, the, that's the, it. Like, there would be or a, time a graveyard is that. creepy. Yeah. And you think it's a graveyard. Yeah. You know, A, it's beautiful, and B, it's got a purpose, hasn't it? Yeah. But people, I, yeah, I take your point that it would have been quite common. And it would have been almost like, well, we're finishing off the house. What should we do? Oh, stick the stone here. Yeah, up. that's the last thing you there need we go. to do. And whereas now you kind of think, oh my God, there's a head. Yeah, and, and there's like no explanation for it. If those yeah. stories haven't been passed down as to why it's there, there's just this really weird, creepy head mm. on the front of the house. And you can imagine how like the urban legends, you know, children walk past and go, oh, yeah. oh that's the haunted head. Yeah. And yeah. oh, it looked at me, it moved yeah, yeah, its yeah. face. And then so then you start getting these feelings of like, Dread, dread associated and, and with seeing them yeah then people start to associate them with um like negative supernatural kind of things and, mm. and i think that kind of leads us nicely into the more famous heads yeah we can't talk about stone heads without mentioning hexham no maybe we should for those for those very yeah. few listeners who won't have heard of the hexham heads just quickly run through them that they were found in 1971 mm-hmm weren't they, by a family in the town of Hexham, unsurprisingly. Um, and they were kind of... They are quite creepy, aren't they? Yeah, so they were dug up by two boys, yeah. um, Colin and Leslie Robson, um, and they were dug up in the garden. Um, after the discovery, the Robson family reported strange phenomena, with the heads allegedly being moved when no-one was in the room and bottles mysteriously thrown across rooms. They were kind of they're, they're kind of about six centimeters in size, aren't they? One was called the boy, due to its masculine skull-like appearance. Although skull-like appearance, uh, maybe a little bit. A bit. Then the other is called the girl because it had long hair and female features carved into it. 
The girl's more creepy, isn't it? Yeah. And I would say the, the Hexham heads are a lot more primitive looking to the rest of the Bradford heads yeah. that I've seen. They, they look a lot more intricate, whereas these ones are pretty basic. Sorry, they Hexham are... heads, I didn't mean to call you basic. Yeah, go on, you want to watch what you say. I think you're great. Um, yeah, and I mean, very quickly, these heads were problematic to the family, yeah. weren't they? Almost immediately. Yeah, and they were pretty much driven from their house, weren't they, after... Yeah after finding these these heads and quite reasonably um, tried to give them to experts mm. to have a look at straight away, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, so before they gave them to the experts, the next-door neighbour... Yeah, of course, The sorry. next-door neighbours... How did I forget like, that? This is like the best bit. It is the best bit. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So the Dodd family who lived next door to the Robson family reported <laughs> phenomena with one boy's hair being pulled in the night and his mother... a half man half goat figure leaving the house shortly after the boy's hair was pulled i've got half sheep half human oh well i have got half sheep later down that yeah i want to see a band but this is half man half goat or half sheep but yeah so it was a kind of i I do prefer wear sheep though or wear goat so it's kind of like think of black philip but with men's legs. <laughs> and the front door would open by itself. And I mean, it was pretty terrifying, really, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And so they, like Stacia was saying, they wanted to get rid of the heads because they... It wasn't. <laughs> and Anne Ross, like Dr Anne Ross was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take have them. The heads. Um, I don't think she probably believe that they had encounters. And no. obviously she was just interested in the kind of archaeological yeah. aspects of the, of the heads although straight away yeah but straight away according to her own accounts she woke up one morning and saw a part well this is interesting because in the piece i got it said she saw a part wolf part man figure walking out of the room so was oh, it before a girl, even or was that it a wolf? i've got that when she even handled them for the first time she remembered a strange coldness emanating from the heads and she took an instant dislike to them mm. So straight away, yeah. and then the next day she wakes up and there's a... a part creature. There's a were-creature. Unspecified yeah, in creature, her house. part man figure walking out of the room that she yeah. was in. That was around 2 or 3am and apparently the, the bedroom was completely freezing. Yeah, six feet tall, half man, half wolf figure lurking by the door. The being left the room, followed by Dr. Ross. She's pretty brave. I'm imagining that like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Descended the stairs, leapt over the banister, and headed to the back of the house. Investigations found nothing there. Mm. But what happened four days later? I don't know. <gasps> four days later, Dr. Ross's 15 year old oh, yeah, daughter no, was terrified by the sight of the werewolf hiding on the stairs when she came home from school. It again jumped over the banister and disappeared into the music room. Dr. Ross's daughter followed. Why? Why? But couldn't see the wolf in the room. After this, the entire family, including the cat, saw or heard the werewolf always slinking down the stairs and jumping over the banister. Once, Dr. Ross's husband, who was ill in bed, had his dinner taken up to him by his daughters, which was slightly hindered by the werewolf standing on the stairs. Slightly hindered. <laughs> Can you just move out of the way? Yeah, hang on, sorry. Awfully sorry, I just leap over the banisters. Imagine that you're going on the stairs. It's like that awkward thing when you go, wait, try to step out. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. So, um, so the heads come into the house, and so does a werewolf. 
Which, by the end of it, as we hear, they don't really seem that bothered by it, do they? Just one of those things, is he there? Is he in the toilet? Oh, for God's sake. Hurry up. Yes, so it says here, the family associated the strangers with the Hexham heads, funnily enough, Mm. and were desperate to get rid of them. Dr. Ross then worked on them as a kind of, as he would, a matter of priority. Yeah. And she believed that they were yeah, Celtic. Yeah, she was convinced that they Absolutely were, like, convinced. 100%. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But local lorry driver, Des Craig, said that he'd made the heads for his daughters to play with and that yeah. they weren't ancient at all. Oh, awkward. Which is... That is a bit awkward, That is it? a bit awkward, especially yeah. when you're, like, meant to be an expert. When you're an expert in Celtic heads. And then some lorry driver goes, says, no, oh, I made no, them. I made them. But then there's no proof that he actually did. Yeah. No, it there isn't. Although the chemist that. looked at them and said they had a high level of quartz, which would suggest that they were concrete or some mm. kind of some kind of more modern matter. Um, but, I mean, other experts actually refused on the spot to even look yeah. at them because and they'd it, had bad experiences with stone heads before. It's Because really, none of the heads that, uh, that Sydney kind of documented that I could find, and I, I mean, this is... I, ha- I had to stop looking... Because it was just overwhelming. Yeah, really overwhelming. But I couldn't see any really that had such specific negative activity or or like negative associations. It's just these two which are like really bad. Mm. And is that it's that idea of the the person who owns them putting their intent on it? Which we have talked about a little bit yeah. before. Like, is it that just that people thought that these heads were so bad, which and that's what actually gave the heads power? Well, you can almost feel it, can't you? When the kids bring these in, probably not really thinking much about them, other than oh, look what we found, mm. and then you can almost hear somebody there saying, "Oh, you know, oh, I don't mm. like look at them," and then suddenly you wake up in the middle of the night and you manifest through dreams. I mean. As I said, I have dreamt of these things after doing all the research on them. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And, um, <laughs> and although they weren't there and there wasn't, thankfully, a wear sheep in the house, um, but they they certainly did kind of, I don't know, they kept coming into my head. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and they are creepy-looking things. They are. And, and the really bizarre thing is this... A. Anne Ross saying she thought they were Celtic. They then went to the Newcastle Museum of Antiquities where they were drawn to scale and became proper archaeological artefacts. You know, curators were looking at, they were a bit non committal about what mm. they were, but most of them were pretty much sure they were old. Yeah. And, the, and although they wouldn't talk about the curse because they're professionals, they're yeah. archaeologists, they're not really interested in that kind of thing. Um, they were so another chap who looked into them, Paul Screeton. Did you see no, him? No, he was not. On my so list. Paul Screeton wrote about them in two thousand and ten, the quest for the Hexham heads, and for he says for them to be described as just archaeological material, and he says is a bit like describing the Turin shroud as just a blanket. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely fascinating that they're these heads that. Some believe are Celtic. They then discover that some chap made them for his children. Or they've an awful gift. Yeah. What awful. Yeah. Why would you just make a know. couple of heads? Unless he was going to make 
put them onto dolls or Even something. if he was. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think he's got a career in this. Stick no. to the lorry driving. Yeah. Because these are not good. Could you imagine when he gave them to his daughter? Oh, she was like, oh, well, she loves I'm them just so going to bury them in the garden. <laughs> well, obviously the children did not love them, did no. they? Although I once buried my mean... mum's whole tin of buttons in the garden. I loved that and then I couldn't find it. Why did you It's bury never it? been, I don't know. Because I wanted to protect it like treasure. Aww. And then I forgot about it. And then I forgot about it for a long time. And then my mum said, where are her buttons? And I forgot. And they were never found. Oh, no. So if anyone finds a big tin well, of buttons... Well, this is it. Then people might think that they're haunted buttons. Which they might be. Who knows? I hope they are. that will be fun, And then do it? they become haunted because people think there they're were, haunted? There were buttons in there that, were, that looked like an elf on a toadstool. But, yeah, so... I think what we're basically coming towards is does it really matter whether they were Celtic, whether they were 17th century or whether they were 1970s if that's the effect they had? See, that's it. I don't think it matters. I think anything, as soon as somebody starts to think it has power or starts, it's like putting your intent onto something. And, And I know I feel in witchcraft intent is like basically for me it's like all you need to yeah. give something power it's love it's good to have extra bits and bobs yeah to, it's to nice if it's old it's nice yeah. if it's beautiful but it could just be a concrete head yeah. you find in it's the belief that it has a power yeah and, and then and it's whether it's a positive or negative power is down to the person mm. you know yeah and, and so for some reason a lot of these bradford heads People are viewing them as maybe a bit weird, but, you know, they kind of have an understanding that they're probably protective because of where they're located. And actually, interestingly, a lot of Sydney's documented ones were above ground. There's not that many that have been found in the ground. And so that's what makes the Hexham heads slightly different, is that actually that they were buried and someone's come across them. And to bury something like that that isn't on a boundary i mean Mm. i know the romans buried bodies didn't they or heads uh, Mm. when they built new buildings but to bury them like that it's almost like you literally they're rubbish you're getting rid of them aren't you so if that head did have a the 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 ability to harness some kind of uh you know annoyance then you could see why yeah couldn't you yeah one thing i did read somebody had suggested that the creature that they because so I was quite interested to think to find out if there was any kind of Celtic mythology of a werewolf kind of creature, and there there was um, there was oh let me find my piece of paper in Irish mythology there was um, three werewolf like creatures who were the daughters of I'm going to say this wrong Aritek, and they were so they were like she wolves basically, and they would come out around Halloween, actually, Ooh. and destroy the sheep. And um, an Irish mythological hero killed them. So, But they were the only kind of werewolf-like creatures in Celtic mythology. But somebody had suggested that the creature was actually a wolver. So I was like, what's a wolver? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Hugh Jackman? No. Um, but, yeah, so wolvers are actually helpful creatures, which is interesting because it didn't actually harm them. No, it just... And it, they obviously didn't, in the end, feel too 
threatened by it because it was just a bit inconvenient. It sounds like <laughs> when they were trying to take dinner I might upstairs. write a book called The Inconvenient Werewolf. <laughs> It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? it? What a book. <laughs> just a werewolf that just hangs around. <laughs> it's a bit like what we do in the shadows, isn't it? Yeah. But... <laughs> it's werewolves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the wolver would help um, like lost travellers, um, leading them to the nearest village. And um, they would make sure that any lost souls would find safety. Um, poor families that were starving may find a supply of fish left on their windowsills by the wolver. So oh, yeah. they're quite. So if it was a wolver, which it would kind of meet that description, maybe it was kind of connected to the protection to the element. Protection element, and and whether it was, I don't know. I love that you can make stories up about these things, but could it maybe the heads represented a lot like a, a, a boy and girl child who had like either passed away and somehow the wolver was some kind of protection spirit for them to try and get their souls back to oh you have oh, thought about this so bless you i feel yeah. like it's like so although we are scared it's that fear of things you don't understand yeah it's not some it is Stone one heads. man's graveyard is creepy one yeah. other is beautiful isn't it it's yeah. is the same thing but if you decide something is frightening then regardless of fact it's frightening isn't it and that's the thing about this isn't it that you know the idea that new things couldn't be haunted or couldn't possess power Mm. is insane isn't it yeah you know they become history by your interpretation of what they are don't you i mean i think we've spoken before about my friend um dr bruce hood who did the the jacket of the serial killer and asked people to wear it and no mm. one would wear it because they were so freaked out by it. It was just a jacket he'd bought from a charity shop. Yeah. It wasn't. But the fact he imbued it with this power yeah. that was dark and that people didn't want to wear it in case some of that evil rubbed off on them. Yeah. You know, that you could literally slip the coat on and suddenly you'd be, you know, fantasising about yeah. murdering people. When in fact, as he said, you know, you've all been frightened of even touching this jacket. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's just what I told you. Yeah. So... It's that thought, isn't it, that that we can give items, but then that that makes sense. We've been doing it for centuries, haven't they? Haven't we? Relics of saints. Yeah. You know that you would go and you would touch a relic of a saint. It probably wasn't, was it? Or a bit of the true cross. Yeah. Yeah, the likelihood of those. I'm not having a go. I'm sure some of them were. A lot of them. Really we do know, like, but a lot of them weren't, though. Yeah, but a lot of them weren't, and but they became magical because people believed them to be yeah. magical. And it's that power. It's a bit like the whole, you know, if you smile, you'll feel better. If you, if you wake up thinking it'll be a good day, it'll be, it will be a good day, or it'll be mm. a better day than if you wake up thinking, here we go again. Yeah. It's the the intention, isn't yeah. it? I, I I don't doubt that some of the heads probably do have like a kind of some kind of magical properties Spend, in that. Yes. So if they're like really old ones, and they've been imbued by all of this intent by previous generations and then they've been found i could see that kind of memory of the intent being in them so then it might pass it on to Mm. people who have found it does that make sense yeah i just feel people will will just disregard this and people do disregard this kind of thing and and then they don't look at their own lives and you know i'm writing something at the moment about superstition and if you look at those superstitions that are absolutely rooted, you know, you try and make somebody go and walk mm. under a ladder. Or, like, don't salute the magpie. Don't salute the magpie. Oh, 
who would do that? Um, you know, don't salute the magpie. Uh, if you break a mirror, you've got mm. seven years. If you see a rock, rocking chair, rock, or don't ever rock it yourself because you're letting a ghost in. I've got like my superstition that I can't help is that if you sneeze and you say bless you, and then someone, the person you've blessed says thank you, then a fairy dies. So I don't know if I've made this superstition up. Oh no! But I can't not like. You can't not say. I can't. Like, so, oh, I'll so make if sure I, I don't sneeze, say thank you. That's it. So if I sneeze and someone says bless you to me, then I never say thank you. So the people think I'm rude. Do you have to say something about so that? So then sometimes I have to say, I haven't said. <laughs> because I don't want a fairy to die. I've got but loads of them. Where did that I'm, come from? I'm ruled by superstition. Absolutely ruled by <laughs> Are you going to start this one now? Oh well? no, let's no. But yeah, everything, I won't say thank you if I sneeze. Um, but yeah, kind of shoes on the table, passing on the stairs. I would not pass that werewolf on the stairs. I wouldn't do it. Um, you know, <laughs> for superstitious reasons. For superstitious reasons. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be fun. I'd just ask it to politely move, or maybe take the tray up itself. You know, if it's staying it there for free. Useful. If it's like, if it's a wolver and they're actually quite helpful. Yeah. Well, then... maybe it should have offered, shouldn't it? But yeah, okay. Well, you've made me like the stone heads Good. a little bit more because you were like quite apprehensive about this episode i think I, I, yeah i don't you've like wanted to talk about them for a long time but yeah. i know that they do disturb you they do bit. disturb me a bit and i don't know why because my house is filled with that kind of thing isn't it i wouldn't have them i think they, they've got so much mystery around them as well because they also disappeared no yeah. one actually knows where they are no like i found a website i can't remember what it's called that was a really interesting one but it had like a list of possible scenarios for who has it and there was like they tried to work it out, but they, there's basically four different scenarios of who. I mean, that happen. in itself, you know, you'd imagine Victor Wind would have them, or, or oh, you'd imagine. love him. Yeah, you'd imagine somebody like that would have them. Wind, isn't it? Sorry, mm. um, you'd imagine someone like him would have it because because they it doesn't matter as we said it doesn't matter if they're old if they're new it no. doesn't matter. It's the story that's it's important. It's the story that is attached to them, isn't it? So. I'd be astonished if somebody hasn't got them, mm. you know, unless somebody got so freaked out they buried them. Mm. Hmm. I wonder where they are. Where are they? From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.